0: Welcome to this exciting series on Proverbs, The Voice of Wisdom. The book of Proverbs has been read and treasured by millions of believers for hundreds of years. There is so much wisdom to be found in this amazing book. In this series, Pastor Tim Brooks and Paul Kern will be sharing concepts of wisdom that will equip you to share in this life of victory God has for you. Now, join Pastor Paul Kern for this message on Proverbs, The Voice of Wisdom.
1: We are in a series all summer called Proverbs, the Voice of Wisdom. Tonight we're in lesson four of Proverbs. So if you want to go ahead and open up to chapters five, six, and seven, these will be the main chapters that we are in tonight. You know, God designed us and he is the builder of us. Each one of us are created and designed by God. And just like any invention... They all come with an operator's or an owner's manual. It doesn't really matter what it is. If you buy a lawnmower, you buy a car, whatever it is that you buy, it comes with an owner's manual. And God has not left you and I without an owner's manual. The Bible is our owner's manual. And the Bible shows you and I how to take care of our bodies, how to live our lives. And if we'll follow along with what the owner's manual says then we will have the least amount of problems and the least amount of breakdowns. Now, I'm not saying that you're not going to have problems and you're not going to have issues. Obviously, we live in the world and that's going to happen. But God has given us this great truth. And, you know, I think the problem is, is a lot of people don't feel like they need the owner's manual. Or they don't take time to read the owner's manual. You know, I, I work with um, interns in our leaders academy, just college age. And, you know, one of the things, I guess just being a dad all these years, you know, I'll say to them before they get ready to go on a trip, have you checked your oil? When's the last time you changed your oil? You know, because you know, your, your car needs to have its oil changed. If it's been 5,000 miles, you need to change your oil. When's the last time you checked your belts? You know, and sometimes they'll just look at me and, well, I didn't even know that. Well, you didn't read the owner's manual. Well, what kind of oil do I put in it? Well, if you read your owner's manual, it would tell you exactly the viscosity of oil that you need to run for that particular vehicle. And God's done the same with us. The truth is, I think a lot of what modern society now accepts as being okay is a real contradiction to what God's Word says. I think a lot of what we see going on in society, and I think that's why a lot of people have problems, is because they're in contradiction to what the owner's manual says. And I'm not going to go into that. Y'all have heard our lead pastor say, you know, well, if I want to put sugar in my gas tank, I can. It's my right. Well, yes, you can. It is your right. You can put whatever you want to in your gas tank. But what it's designed to run on is fuel. Uh, and specifically, some cars even say you have to run a high octane fuel in it. If you don't, it's not going to run right. So we've got to do what the Bible says to get the most mileage out of our life and to have the least amount of of problems in lesson four of proverbs we're going to be looking at chapters five six and seven and in these chapters solomon is warning us about the dangers of sexual sin and that's what we're going to be talking about tonight is sexual sin and i'll tell you what if if any culture needs to be talked to about the dangers of sexual sin it's our culture you can't even watch a tire commercial or a food commercial or any kind of commercial without everything being hyper sexualized in our culture today i mean you know used to when i was growing up if you saw one of those risky commercials it was going to be coming on at 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock at night it wasn't played on prime time television but now there's no shame they don't care they'll play at any time of the day or night it doesn't matter and it really doesn't matter what channel it is used to it was only certain channels they would place some of those commercials on. And now it's just whatever it is. <clears throat> in Exodus 20, the seventh commandment says, you shall not commit adultery. It lays it out for us. And this specifically mentions adultery in the Bible, but the Bible talks a lot about sexual sin. It doesn't even have anything to do with adultery. It talks a whole lot about sexual sin. As a matter of fact, in Leviticus chapter 18 in the Old Testament, it talks about sexual sin. Uh, Romans chapter 1, uh, Ephesians chapter 1, Let, let's look, I mean Ephesians chapter 5, but I want to look at one in particular. Go to 1 Corinthians with me, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and I want to look at starting at verse 9, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9, don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin, or worship idols, or commit adultery, or are male prostitutes, or practice homosexuality, or are thieves, or greedy people, or drunkards, or abusive, or cheat people none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Now look at verse 12. You say, well, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. You say, well, food was made for the stomach and stomach for the food, and this is true, though someday God will do away with both of them. But you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. They were made, now listen to this, they were made for the Lord. And the Lord cares about our bodies. And God will raise us from the dead by his power, just as he raised the Lord Jesus from the dead. Now look at verse 15. Don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? Should a man take in his body, which is a part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Never. And don't you realize that a man, if a man joins himself to a prostitute, He becomes one body with her. For scriptures say, the two are united into one. But the person who is joined to the Lord is one in the spirit with him. Verse 18, run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body don't you realize that your body is the temple of the spirit of god who lives in you and was given to you by god you do not belong to yourself for god bought you with a high price so you must honor god with your body see the Bible's very clear about the dangers of sexual sin and there's no point in us sitting in here tonight and acting like that any of us don't have to deal with this it starts from a very young age all the way up into our adult life. This is a temptation, and this is something that we all have to deal with and we all have to overcome. Now, in Proverbs chapter 5, 6, and 7, it gives us three reasons to avoid sexual sin. So those of you that are taking notes tonight, you can write this down. Number one, chapter five, sexual sin is eventually disappointing. Sexual sin is eventually disappointing. Number two, in chapter six, sexual sin is gradually destructive. Sexual sin is gradually destructive. And in chapter seven, sexual sin is ultimately death. It ultimately leads to death. So let's just start here in chapter five. Sexual sin is eventually disappointing now church listen to me you can write this down and you guys in tc you can write this down god's way works best now i used to think that paul's way worked best and i used to do it my way but the only problem was my way was against god's way at a certain time in my life and i got paul's results not god's results but it doesn't take long to figure out once you are born again, that God's way is the best way. God's way always is the least difficult way. See, when you live your life God's way, you have the greatest level of joy and you have the greatest level of satisfaction. Now, sin tries to convince us that we can have a greater level of joy and satisfaction if we give in to the temptation, but it's very clear that God's way is the way that gives us the most ultimate satisfaction. Now, it's when you break God's laws is that you experience loss. You experience depression. You experience bondage. You experience difficulty. When you go against God's way of doing things, when you go against the owner's manual, well, this is what I want to do. It's my body. I can do it. Well, you can, but the fact is God designed our bodies just like a car manufacturer designed a car to operate within certain perimeters right? I can't take my wife's Hyundai off-roading. It won't work. Now, I can do it, but I will tear that car up. It's not made for it. Now, I can take my truck that has mud tires on it, that's a four-wheel drive that has a lift kit. I can take it off-road, and I can do that because my truck is designed for that, right? So, I have to operate within the perimeters of how God has designed my body to work, So that's not hard to figure out. Can y'all see my example? You understand kind of where I'm taking you with this? Now, I'm not saying sexual sin doesn't feel good. It feels good. If it didn't feel good, we wouldn't have all of the commercials. We wouldn't have the problem with the porn industry that we have today. We wouldn't have all of the issues that we have going on in our country. We wouldn't have an issue with human trafficking that we have in the world today that is just exploding it's a huge huge problem we have in our world today so sexual sin it feels good the fact is God created sex for our pleasure that was God didn't just create sex just for the reproductive part of it okay although that is a part of it God created Adam and Eve in his image and he said be fruitful and what multiply and the only way that you're going to multiply is through sex, okay? That's how it happens. So it has to be se- sex has to be pleasurable if we're going to want to engage in it. It's kind of like eating. If food didn't taste good, how many of you eat food that doesn't taste good? You don't. You don't like it. If you don't like it, you're not going to eat it. That's why when they set that big piece of chocolate pie out in front of you or that a la mode or whatever it is, it's like, yes! That's sin, by the way. I'm just letting you know. That's sin. So God designed sex within the safety net of marriage. And within the safety net of marriage, we're protected and it's meant to be enjoyable. Now here in chapter 5, Solomon explains the disappointment of violating God's law of sexual purity. Everybody look at verse 1 of chapter 5. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Listen carefully to my counsel and your lips will express what you've learned. For the lips of an immoral woman are as sweet as honey, and her mouth is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter poison, as dangerous as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps leave straight to the grave, for she cares nothing about the path of life. She staggers down a crooked trail, and she doesn't realize it now i want you to notice the experience here her lips drip honey they're sweet see see the experience it starts out sweet but then it goes on to say her path leads to destruction her path leads to death so you see there's a a progression of destruction that takes place, it always starts out being appealing. It always starts out seeming like a good thing, but that sweetness turns to bitterness. The honey of that experience turns to poison. The Bible says it's a dangerous double-edged sword. Now, the voice of wisdom is crying out, You know, you TC guys, last week when our lead pastor, Pastor Tim, talked, and everybody really loved that series about being stupid. You know, don't be stupid. Don't go down that wrong path and put yourself in a place of making a bad choice or a bad decision. The voice of wisdom is crying out. And here's what she's saying. Look ahead. Consider what you're thinking about doing. See where that decision will take you. If we would just think just a, a second or two. Okay, l- l- let me think. Now, if I, if I do this, if I think about doing this with this person, just play that out. How's that going to affect my family? how's that going to affect my children? How's that going to affect my relationship? How's that going to affect my witness? See, if we would just think things out just a little bit, we could avoid the path that leads to destruction. The voice of wisdom is crying out. Oh, hop in the car. Come on, get in. Let's get in the back seat. You know, that sounds very appealing until you see teen pregnancy, right? Here, you know, let, let's go do this together. Well, that's really appealing until you see the, the destructive outcome of that decision. And the problem is, I, I think really one of the big problems is, we've all watched way too many movies, and we've seen sex outside of marriage be glamorized by Hollywood. We have. I mean, it just. I laugh sometimes at the movies that I watch. And, you know, there's a lot of series that are out now, you know, because we've got, you know, we've got Hulu and we've got Netflix and we've got all these different outlets for us to watch all the shows that we want to watch. And, and I'm not being negative toward those, but you've got to be careful. You have to be very, very careful because a lot of those shows, they don't deal in reality. They deal in fantasy. Hollywood paints this picture of sex outside of marriage and how wonderful it is and how glamorous it is. But they don't show what happens the next morning when you wake up. They don't show the fallout of those decisions weeks and months down life's way. And the fact is, there is fallout. So as we look at these movies, I think they desensitize us to what really happens in real life. Because in real life, it isn't anything like it is in the movies. It's a completely different set of scenarios. Deuteronomy 32, 29 says, Oh, that they were wise and could understand this. Oh, that they might know their fate. Now look at verse 7 here. Now, my son, listen to me. Never stray from what I'm about to tell you. Stay away from her! If you're a girl in here tonight, stay away from him exclamation mark don't go near them stay away from them look at this don't go near the door of their house don't even get anywhere in the vicinity of where they live if you get near them if my for example if my doctor tells me paul listen you are about to die from high cholesterol I mean, your cholesterol is out the roof. You're, you're a heart attack waiting to happen. Now, my doctor didn't tell me that. My cholesterol is good, thankfully. But he said, you, you can no longer eat red meat. Well, when I go into the, into the store, the last place that I'm gonna go is start wandering over there in the meat department. That would be dumb. I get over there, man, I see a ribeye about this thick, you know, or a big old porterhouse steak. It's, it's temptation, right? It's going to lure me in. There's no point. Stay completely away from her house. Look at this. Verse 9. If you do, you'll lose your honor, and you will lose to merciless people all that you have achieved. How many of us have seen people work really, really hard to get themselves in a certain place in life, and it took them a long time to get there, and in one bad decision, they lost it all? Let me, let me just see your hands. Look around the room. You know, it's amazing, church, how we can work and work and work and work and work and serve and serve and serve and do and do and do and, get and make really good decisions every day. But that one time, that one time, well, Paul, I made really good choices up to that point. It doesn't matter. Well, that's not fair. Well, it may not be fair, but that's the way life operates. So there's no point in you arguing against the way life operates. That's like arguing with Gravity. You can argue with it if you want to. Our lead pastor talked about that Sunday, about the law of gravity. You can argue with it, but you're not going to change it. So you're going to have to learn to work within the perimeters of how God has designed life to work. It says their actions lead them from gain to loss. Now, church, remember, temptation always includes hopeful promises. If it didn't, we wouldn't take the bait. See, temptation it's always going to be wrapped up in a wrapper that looks attractive. It's kind of like a Snickers bar, right? Or a $100,000 bar. Or a Kit Kat. Or a and everybody's like, stop talking about candy. I mean, it, it's, it lures you in. But you don't realize when you open it up, it's death. You understand what I'm saying? See, that's the analogy that it's given us here. That action takes you down the rock because you take the bait... Of what's being done. See, the the voice of temptation says, my wife didn't meet my needs, and, and I really deserve my needs to be met, and so I'm justified in what I'm doing right now with this other person. My husband doesn't listen to me. He doesn't give me the time and the affection that I ought to be given, so it's okay for me to be having this flirtatious conversation with this other employee at work. You know, this, this boyfriend, he, he pressures you girls through his conversation to be physical with him. If you really love me, if you really care about me, you'll be physical with me. You see, it always sounds like the, the, the girl that dresses very seductively. You know, I, rem- I remember some girls like this in high school. They dressed very seductively, and they, they, I would watch them seduce guys. They had that reputation You know they were the girls that kind of had the bad labels applied to them because they were the girls that would seduce guys and they would get guys to come into um, their life in in a seductive way. We we see we've got to watch out for temptation's voice. Now look at verse nine here. Verse nine says, "If you do, you'll lose your honor. You'll lose to merciless people all that you have achieved. Strangers will consume your wealth." and someone else will enjoy the fruit of your labor. And in the end, you will groan in anguish when disease consumes your body. And you will say, oh, how I hated discipline. If only I had not ignored all the warnings. Why didn't I listen to my teachers? Why didn't I pay attention to my instructors? I've come to the brink of utter ruin, and now I must face public disgrace. Verse 15, drink water from your own well. Share your love only with your wife. Why spill the water of your springs in the streets and have sex with just anyone? You should reserve it for yourselves and never share it with strangers. Let your wife be a fountain of blessing to you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She is a loving deer, a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you always. May you always be captivated by her love. Be captivated, my son. Why be captivated, my son, by an immoral woman? Why touch the breast of a promiscuous woman? For the Lord sees clearly what a man does, examining the path that he takes. An evil man is held captive by his own sins. They are ropes that catch him and hold him. He will die for lack of self-control. He will be lost because of his great foolishness. You know, isn't it amazing how you can read the Bible, and it was written thousands of years ago, and I mean right now, today, right at this moment, it's applicable. Isn't that amazing? You can't do that with any other manual. You get a computer manual, I mean in two weeks you might as well throw it out. That computer's outdated, they've got a new one. You've got a procedure, that a certain way of doing things, well, it doesn't matter what field is in. I, you know, I used to be in air-conditioned refrigeration, and every year they were coming up with a new way of doing things, a new type of Freon, a new way of going about it. So it's outdated, but the Bible, it's like it was written to us today. I mean, it works right now in this very moment. Now listen to the voice of wisdom here. As we're walking down through here, it begins to describe the experience of a suffering sinner who went down the wrong path. Now, the most expensive thing in life is sin. Think about it. I mean, the most expensive thing in life is sin. Sin carries with it a high price. Boy, you know, and I've, I've, at my age now, I've learned a little bit about this. But, a lot of the mistakes that I made when I was younger, I did not consider the cost of sin. You know, and, and we were talking about this at High Point. I was listening to Pastor Tim talk to our young people about finances. And he was saying, you know, you, you think about it. When you go to Starbucks and you get ready to buy that $5 latte or whatever it is, that 5 or $6 latte, when you realize that you had to work an hour or two to to be able to afford that, then you consider making that purchase because you're like, well, wait a minute, that costs more than I am wanting to pay. And we all do that. You know, we all have money in our pocket, but we don't necessarily spend it if it's more than what we're willing to pay. No, that costs too much. I would like to have that. I would like to own that, whatever, but I'm not going to own that because that costs more than I'm willing to spend. Well, church, we've got to know sin carries a very high price. It carries a great cost. And the sinner always looks back and wishes that he hadn't. We've all been there. We've all done something and we look back and go, why did I do that? Why did I make that mistake? Why did I make that decision? Now, understand this. In God's grace, our sins are forgiven. Amen? I mean, we all know that. The blood of Jesus is there for all of us, and God's grace is extravagant. It's extravagant. God will forgive you of anything that you've ever done if you just repent and ask him for forgiveness. God is very clear on that. So God's grace is very extravagant, and our sin is forgiven. But in God's government, we reap what we sow. And as much as God has forgiven me, for things that I did many many years ago, guess what? In God's government, I'm still reaping things that I sowed 20 and 30 years ago in my life. Now, at that time I didn't necessarily have somebody there to tell me, Paul, if you do this, this is what's going to happen. You know, I, I grew up in a in a broken home. I I, I didn't have a father that was there involved in my life like he needed to be. I I didn't get as much instruction as I needed and I made a lot of bad decisions. Now, has God forgiven me of that? Has God forgiven you of that? Absolutely. But in God's government, we're still walking out these consequences and that's what we have to recognize. Now look at verse 15. Drink the water from your own well. Share love only with your wife. Why spill the water of your springs in the streets and have sex with just anyone? Sex in marriage is beautiful, and it's a fresh spring. But some of the translations that you read, and and, and I encourage you to go look at some of the different translations, like maybe the Amplified or the New King James or some of the other ones that are out there, like The Message. It's very, very interesting because it says, outside of marriage, sex outside of marriage, it's like a sewer that defiles you. It's like drinking from nasty corrupt water that defiles your life look at verse 22 an evil man is held captive by his own sins they are ropes that catch and hold him he will die for lack of self-control he will be lost because of his great foolishness see if we disobey and we do what our carnal nature tempts us to do, what our carnal nature desires to do, then that free will choice that God gave us, it'll become bondage to us. That free will out of God's great love, he gave us free will, make, you can make decisions, you can do what you want to do, but making decisions in contrary to what God's word says will ensnare us and it will in bondage us. All right, number two. Number two, sexual sin is gradually destructive. It's gradually destructive. Chapter 6. At the beginning of this chapter, we see three enemies that can destroy you. Three enemies. Chapters 1 through 5, we see unwise financial commitments. They can destroy you. Unwise financial commitments. Number 2, verses 6 through 11, laziness. Just sheer laziness. Just an unwillingness to get up and go to work and be productive, laziness will destroy you. And then the third way that you're destroyed is verses 20 through 35 is lust, lust. Now, because we are not doing a verse by verse and we're doing a topical study, we're not gonna look at these first two. We're gonna come back to those later as they fall under the topics that Tim and I will be covering. So we're gonna move on here to verses 20 through 35. Now, in verse 32, everybody go there. Chapter 6, verse 32. But the man who commits adultery is an utter fool. He destroys himself. He will be wounded and disgraced. His shame will never be erased. For the woman's jealous husband will be furious, and he will show no mercy when he takes revenge. He will accept no compensation Nor be satisfied with a payoff of any size. See, the adulterer loses good sense. Just good common sense. Let's think about David, right? The great king of Israel. He was a very wise man. He was a great leader. But he allowed lust to get a hold of him. And because of that, he made a very bad choice. And we all know the story of David. We all know what happened with him in Bathsheba. I mean, he made a very, very bad decision. Great warrior in the battlefield, wise ruler on the throne. But he lost his good common sense when he lusted for Bathsheba on that rooftop. And that's exactly what it's saying right here in verses 33 through 35. See, the adulterer loses their peace. The adulterer loses their joy. They find no peace no matter what they try and do, no matter how they try to make up for what they've done, there's no peace for them. Even if they try to make it right, you see what I'm saying? There's just some things you just don't do. You know, I remember my boys when they were growing up, I would say to them, Don't ever do this. I told my boys, I said, Don't ever drink. Don't ever smoke cigarettes. Don't ever do that. It will harm you. It's bad for you. There's just some things you just don't ever need to participate in. Don't ever get involved with in. it. I would tell my boys around about certain friends, don't ever run with these kinds of people. Don't ever do. Don't ever get around them because if you do, here's what can happen. So there's just some things in life you just don't ever even open the can. You just leave that thing alone. You don't ever even get near it. You, you TC guys, you understand what I'm saying? There's just some things... It's just too costly, it's too dangerous, it's not worth it, you just don't get near it. Because there's no way that you can make up for it. There's some things in life, once you engage in it and once you do it, once again, God can forgive you, but you'll have to deal with the consequences of that for the rest of your life, for the rest of your life. Some things are just too costly they're not worth it so as we look at this we see that it's just destructive it's it's destructive it leads us down a destructive path number three number three sexual sin is ultimately deadly it's ultimately deadly everybody look at chapter seven verse one through five follow my advice son and always treasure my commands Obey my commands and live. Guard my instruction as you guard your own eyes. That's pretty interesting. Tie them around your fingers as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. Love wisdom like a sister. Make insight a beloved member of your family. Let them protect you from an affair with an immoral woman. From listening to the flattery of a promiscuous woman. Now, for the third time, Solomon calls us back to God's Word. You see that? It's saying make God's Word a member of your family. Tie it on your finger. Everywhere you go, let God's Word be constantly out in front of you, reminding you all day long of decisions that you make. Keep God's Word in your heart because it is a matter of life and death. God's Word directs my decisions all day long, every day. When I'm in conversations with people, i hear God's Word in my ear. Don't say that. Treat them this way. Don't make that financial decision. Don't go that way. No, go this way. No, call this person. Encourage them. Pray for this individual. See, God, He's talking to us all the time through the voice of the Holy Spirit. Now, everybody go down to verse 27. We're going to skip ahead just a little bit of chapter 7 talking about the adulterous woman her house is the road to the grave her bedroom is a den of death now it doesn't look like that when you enter into it the lights are down low you know we all read there you know as we've been doing in our devotions we've all read you know she spread out her perfume and the beds made and everything looks good it's very enticing it's very enticing but All traps are. If a trap wasn't enticing, we wouldn't go for it. Uh, It's like it says, a bird isn't going to just step off in a trap that he clearly sees. He'll avoid that trap. All right, go back to verse 2. Obey my commands and live. Guard my instructions as you guard your own eyes. Guard the word in your heart like you guard Your own eyes. I hire young men to weed eat for me and stuff in the summertime and do work for me or do shop work for me. And I always keep six or seven of those protective eyewear, you know, the big ones that'll fit over glasses that you look really corny in when you wear, Uh, but they protect you, right? And I always tell the guys that work for me, I said, guys, I know these aren't cool. I know these don't look cool but don't you dare do any work for me without having these on all the time because your eyes are very important. Once a rock flies up and hits your eye, it's over. It probably can't be fixed. It probably can't be repaired. And you'll have to live with that for the rest of your life, right? So here's what it's saying. And I I find this very interesting. It says the protection of your eyes is extremely important because they give you sight It's a very valuable part of your body, right? Our eyes are very important to us. God said, treat His Word with the same protection that you treat your eyes. Isn't that interesting? Protect yourself. All right, look at verse 6. While I was at the window of my house looking through the curtain, I saw some naive young men, and one in particular who lacked common sense. He was crossing the street near the house of an immoral woman, strolling down the path by her house. It was twilight in the evening as deep darkness fell. Now, here Solomon gives the steps that lead to destruction. I mean, he's laying them out for us. Look at this. Verse 8, going down her street. Verse 8, walking right down the path to her house. Verse 9, right outside her house. I mean, why are you there? I mean, you really get the impression as you read this that, that this young man didn't have a lot of common sense, that he would put himself in this position. But I want to show you something. Just mark your spot right there and turn over to John chapter 3. And we're just going to look at a heart attitude here. John chapter 3. We've got you flipping pages tonight. We're in a Bible study. John chapter 3, verse 19. Everybody look at this. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and they refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right, they come to the light. They're they're, they're like drawn to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. Now, you see that recreated heart right there? Now, I didn't used to have that. As a matter of fact, I was drawn toward darkness. I wanted to get as many people involved in it with me as I possibly could. The more the merrier in my folly. But when Christ came into my life, he, he gave me a new heart. I no longer wanted, I didn't agree with sin. It wasn't pleasurable to me. Now, I'm not saying that I don't sin. I do occasionally sin still, but I don't make it a habit of sinning. And when I do sin, it grieves me it bothers me. It doesn't make me happy. It makes me sad. And one of the first things I do is I get down on my knees and I say, God, forgive me for being ugly. God, forgive me for thinking that thought. God, forgive me for saying what I said. God, I'm sorry. Please forgive me because that's not my heart's desire. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And see, that's why it's so important that we let our heart life be captured by the Lord, because if we let our heart life be captured by the Lord, we won't necessarily stroll down that path like that naive young man did. See, here he is going down this foolish path. And here's my point. This guy is deliberately walking near the very place that he knows he shouldn't be. I tell our college interns all the time, and it's kind of a funny thing. I said, guys, you're never going to read about local pastor in Hot Springs. Paul Kern was shot at the Waffle House at 2 a.m. in the morning. I said, do you want to know why you're not going to read about local pastor Paul Kern being shot at the Waffle House at 2 a.m. in the morning? Because I'm not going to be at the Waffle House at 2 a.m. in the morning. That's not really a good place to be. Not at 2 a.m. in the morning. Now, I'm not against the Waffle House. Everybody likes a good waffle. Don't get me wrong. But not at 2 a.m. in the morning. See, we've got to make wise choices and wise decisions. And here this guy is deliberately walking near a place of temptation and danger. The Bible says in verse 8 of chapter 5, Stay away from her! And it literally has an exclamation mark. It's like, Whoa! Y'all ever have your parents like speak? kind of loud to you to get your attention. Hey! I do that with my kids sometimes. They'd be out in the yard. Hey, y'all listen to me. Get away from there. You about to get hurt. Get away from that dog. He'll bite you. You know, here proverbs is calling out to us. It's dangerous. Stay away from that. Because church, the fact is moral failure isn't like an accident. Moral failure isn't an accident. It's intentional. When people make moral mistakes in their life, rarely are they an accident. No, a moral failure isn't a result of a blowout on the road to life. It's a slow leak over a long period of time, and we just don't do anything about it. We just keep kind of walking in that direction. See, it doesn't just happen. You put yourself in that place for it to happen. And so Proverbs says, here's the wise thing, don't be in that place. You won't have to worry about having that happen to you if you don't go there. You hear me, TC guys? You don't have to worry about getting yourself in a bad situation if you don't put yourself in a bad situation. See, we pray, God, give me strength. God, help me. Give me grace. God, take this temptation away from me. Well, how foolish it would be for us to pray for God to take our sexual desire away from us. I don't want God to take my sexual desire away from me. I want to have that in my marriage so that I'll be blessed. I I preached a sermon one time several years ago and a young man came up to me after the service was over because I shared something in my sermon about a testimony about sexual temptation. And this guy was like 19 or 20 years old. And at that time I was probably about 30. And and he literally followed me all the way to my office and knocked on my door. And he said, "I, I, I asked you a question. I said, what's up? He said, you're, you're tempted to sin sexually? And he just had this look on his face like, how could you possibly do that? You're a pastor. Like, I had somehow evolved to a place in my life where that was no longer a struggle for me. But we none of us get to a place in our life where it's no longer a struggle for us, we're all in the flesh, right? And as long as we're in the flesh, we will all have to fight that battle in our life. The point is, don't put yourself in a situation so that you're tempted to do something that you know being in the wrong situation, you will do. I remember Pastor Tim, our lead pastor, when I was coming up and he was mentoring me, he would always say to me, he he would always say, Paul, never counsel a woman in your office with the door closed. Don't you ever, 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 ever do it. He said, Paul, don't you ever counsel a woman a woman in your office at the church over here at night when nobody else is here. Don't you ever do it. And he says, And if you'll listen to what I'm telling you, Paul, I promise you, you will never have an affair with a woman in your office. And I was thinking to myself, That's good advice. That's really, really good advice. You know, but some people are like, Are you accusing me that I would commit adultery with another man's wife? Yes. Let's not act like it, church. I mean, we act like I can't believe you would accuse me of that. The Bible accuses all of us of that. The Bible in Romans chapter 1 says we're all sinners. We're all rebels against God. He said we all go against God's plan. That's why we have to be born again with a new heart so that God takes a heart of stone and he turns it into a heart of flesh. He gives us a new spirit and a new direction in life. See, the Bible shows us how we are to live life. Look at verse 19 and 20 again. It's very interesting. My husband, he's not at home. He's away on a long trip. He's taking a wallet full of money with him. He's not going to be back this month. He's gone. Nobody will ever find out. Nobody will ever know. Lie. That's a huge lie. Let me tell you why. I'm not worried about people finding out. That doesn't matter. That doesn't. People finding out, church, me sinning, I don't care about that. You know what I worry about? is about God knowing. That's what matters to me. See, the fact that God knows how I live my life, God knows the decisions that I make, that is what impacts me more than what anybody else thinks. Now, obviously... You know, when we do something we're not supposed to do, there's a huge fallout, and and our friends and family are affected by that, and that ought to be a reason that we don't do something that we know we shouldn't do. But the greatest reason that I'm not going to walk in that kind of sin is because I want to honor God with my life. I want God to be pleased with me. I want to do what is pleasing in the eyes of my Father. So it doesn't matter what people think. Young people, all you young people in here tonight, Don't worry about whether your mom and dad find out. That's the least of your concern. Don't worry about, well, what are my friends going to think if they find out? That doesn't matter. That's the least of your concern. What matters is God knows, God sees everything. And so we want to live our life the same way in public as we do in private. We want to be the same person in private that we are in public. I'm going to look at the same things on my computer, on the internet by myself, just as I would with people standing all around me watching. See, I'm going to try to live my life the exact same way. Look at verse 22 and 23. He followed her at once, like an ox going to the slaughter. He was like a stag caught in a trap, awaiting the arrow that would pierce its heart. He was like a bird flying into a snare, little knowing that it would cost him his life now notice he's no longer referred to as a young naive man now he's being referred to as an animal because that's what sexual sin will cause you to degenerate into is an animal animalistic instincts See, he's no longer a man. It's an ox going to slaughter. He's a deer stepping into a trap. He's a bird flying into a snare. See, she will make you like an animal. God is powerful, but he will allow us to do something that will bring destruction in our life, even though we have free will. So it's foolish for us to say, God, you know, keep me from doing that. Well, God's not going to keep you from doing that. God's not going to grab your arm and twist it behind your back and, and say, say uncle. Say, un-. No, God's not going to do that. But what God is going to do with a very still, small voice. Don't do that. Don't go there. You better watch out. You need to listen to me. Don't go with those people. Here's, what you need. Here's where you need to be going. Here's what you need to be doing. And, and the Holy Spirit Church, He doesn't scream at us. He's a very quiet voice and so you've got to listen with your heart very intently and he'll whisper to you here's what you need to do here's where you need to go here's how you need to act here's how you need to live here's what you need to meditate on here's what you need to be thinking see that's how the holy spirit guides us and leads us look at verse 24 so listen to me my sons and pay attention to my words Don't let your heart stray away toward her. Don't wander down her wayward path. Pay attention to my word. Don't turn down the wrong path. Wisdom is calling to us. Wisdom, every day she's speaking to us. Look at verse 26. For she has been the ruin of many. Many men have been her victims. See, she's brought down many victims don't think that it can never happen to you. I tell our leadership here all the time, when we have leadership meetings and I meet with our guys here, I tell my guys all the time, I said, guys, don't think it can't happen to you. Because we make the mistake of thinking, oh, that can never happen to me. I would never do that. You know, we hear things that people do and we go, oh my gosh, did you hear what so-and-so did? I can't believe what they did. I can't believe they did that. Well, you better believe it because you can just as easily be the one that's doing it. It's only God's grace that we're not. And that's why it's so important, church, every single day that we are making wise choices and we are listening to the voice of wisdom. Be alert at all times. Keep your guard up. Protect your life all the time because here's the thing. There's a trap that's laid. It's waiting for us to step off into it. We have to be aware of the wiles and the schemes and the traps of the devil so that we don't become a victim like many other people have. Amen? Amen. Y'all stand with me tonight. Let's give God a hand clap. Lord, we thank you for your hand of protection on us. We thank you for the wisdom, God, that you make available to each one of us. God, help us. God help us to make your voice the primary voice in our life. God, help us to live our life not for an audience of other people and our peers, but help us to live our life for an audience of one. You. And God, let your voice and your words be the most influential, most powerful, the loudest words in our life that drowned out all other voices in our life. God help us to focus on the voice of of your holy spirit god lead us this week guide us and direct us and lord help us to live the blessed life of wisdom that you have for us to live
0: we hope that you enjoyed this message on proverbs cmc has so much to offer we host men's and women's conferences each year summer camps for all ages a christian school k4 through 12th grade youth conferences a college-age internship and much more Go to cmchurch.com for more information about all the great things CMC has for you.